Thank you, Jacob. Jacob Palmer. He's an awesome, awesome person. Just trying to think. I could think of the superlatives, but I was looking for the the uh, the noun. You know, uh, he's a great friend, faithful servant in the house of God, and. Uh, Welcome to church. Good to see you. Those of you that are online watching, we see you by faith. And we're praying and believing that the Word of God today will speak to you and encourage you. And uh, so let me pray for a minute uh, before the Word. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for all those who are present, either here in person or online, or those who will watch uh, the service or those who will listen to the podcast and the message of the podcast, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. I pray that the words that I share would reflect your heart, that Lord, in your word, you would cause faith and through your word to rise in people's hearts, that we would leave here with a sense of purpose, refreshed and renewed, and oh God, knowing our destiny for this moment in time, and Lord, that your blessing, your favor, your provision in every area of our lives, body, soul, and spirit, Lord, may you work supernaturally through the power of your spirit. We honor you. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Let's thank our worship team. Uh, for doing such a great job as they always do. How are you doing? It's summer. And I know a lot of people are away and summer season, there's a lot of coming and going. And uh, of course, it's good to see Frank and Jenny Riley here who are a great part of our church for many years, pastoring up in the kind of Northern California, that other country, you know, north of the border. Um, and uh, great friends of ours over many years, and good to have them here. A um, couple of things I want to share that are really important, and uh, we uh, were wanting to highlight this last week just to give you a little bit of notice, but I don't know if you've noticed that next Sunday falls on July 4th. So uh, we have decided that what we're going to do is we're going to move our Sunday service to Friday night. Thank you for the underwhelming response. I would have thought most of you would be happy about that. Um, now, that doesn't mean that church takes second place. We're not moving it because July 4th is more important than the July 4th celebrations are more important than gathering in the house of the Lord. Is anyone in agreement with me there? But July 4th is a special day, and it's a day that we remember the independence from those oppressive English, uh, you know, uh, uh, Englishmen from across the, the pond. And, uh, you know, we, we shook the shackles and the yoke that was upon us free so that we could become a free nation, no longer under the rule of King George. So, um, as a result, July 4th, Independence Day, is a import very important day. And it's a day when we celebrate our freedoms under God. I'm going to say that again, our freedoms under God. So 
Um, I'm not saying that church is taking second place to July 4 celebrations. It's taking first place because we're putting it on Friday beforehand. And we're going to do it on Friday night for one hour from 7 o'clock to 8 p.m. And then from 6 to 7, we have a barbecue out here where we're going to eat all things American. Um, so all things American will be served on that, at that barbecue from 6 till 7. So if you're working, you can come straight from work. You don't have to grab dinner beforehand. Have dinner here on us and celebrate with us. And then we're going to have a one-hour service with an extended time of worship where we're going to celebrate the freedom that we have under God. And then we're going to have a, a short, punchy, nice punch, punchy, powerful message uh, and uh, after that, 8 p.m., we'll hang out. I think we're going to have some after, some postres para todos los que hablan español. Uh, we're going to have some food afterwards, and then you can go and, you know, celebrate with your family on Sunday. And, hey, if you are having a, a get-together or whatever, be thinking about those people maybe who don't have family here or whatever. Let's gather. Let's gather people. Let's be family as a church and invite people. Let's be hospitable uh, and enjoy the day. So is that cool? And uh, we'll be sen sending that information out by text. Make sure that you, uh, get on, uh, that you get the word out and let people know uh, because we don't want people to be turning up on Sunday expecting church and, and us not being here. So, yeah. So how's that? Good? All right. Okay, well, good. I had a, a great week this week. My wife, Di, gave me a Father's Day present and uh, organized for me to go to Kansas and visited uh, our daughter, uh, Rachel, and grandkids, had some time with them, and then on Friday, I went to Topeka, Kansas. Never been to Topeka, Kansas, and our son, Ben, was in an air show there. And I was able to spend the day with him and then flew back last night, got here at 10, uh, 10.30 last night. So, lightning tour, but it was awesome. Ben flew an F-22 Raptor from Langley, Virginia, um, fueled midair over Tennessee and landed in Topeka, Kansas. He got there a lot quicker than I did. Uh, I went on American Airlines via Dallas and then, and then from Dallas to to Kansas, and then on the way back, American Airlines dutifully canceled my flight from uh, Dallas to Kansas, so we went, I went via Salt Lake City, so there's always another way, but anyway, it was a great weekend, uh, a great week anyway, great moment, great Father's Day gift that, uh, that Di gave to me, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of noise, it was called, the, the, what was it called, the... Uh, Thunder over the heartland, that's what it was called, the heartland of the USA. Who's never been to Kansas? Mm. Okay. All right. Okay, so I'm going to share the word this morning. And uh, how many remember that a few weeks back, before Father's Day, I started a series called uh, Beneficiaries and Benefactors? Beneficiaries and Benefactors. And I'm going to continue that series today. Um, for those of you that were not here, I'm going to give a kind of a synopsis of the concept. Um, and for those of you that are here, we learn by repetition. 
I'm going to say that again. We learn by repetition. When you were at school, you learned by... We learn by... You're getting it now. We're learning. We learn by... All right. And anyone heard the rule of seven? The rule of seven says that you have to hear something seven times before it sinks in. And that is an actual... Has been proven that it takes seven times to hear something before it sinks in. Every parent in the congregation knows what I'm talking about. Put your toys away. You've got to say it seven times before they get it. Turn the lights out or it's go to sleep seven times before they hear it. So I'm going to be sharing that with you this morning. And the concept of uh, beneficiaries and benefactors comes out of the fact that God is a generational God. When Jesus talked about the God of the living and not the dead, he talked about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talked about three generations upon which the foundations of our faith have been built. And God is a generational God. He moves and He works generationally. Every generation is a beneficiary of the previous generations. Every generation has the opportunity to be a benefactor for the next generation. What is a, is, is a beneficiary? A beneficiary is someone who receives uh, an advantage, help or an advantage from someone or something. Uh, so if you're a beneficiary of a will or you're a beneficiary of a gift, uh, we've received something. Um, as a, a benefactor is a person that gives help or an advantage to someone or something. So being a benefactor uh, means that we do what others have done for us. We receive a legacy and we leave a legacy. We receive an inheritance and we leave an inheritance. And that goes with the divine ebb and flow of how life works. Life, we breathe in, we breathe out. We breathe in, we breathe out. If we don't breathe out, we become like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has millions of gallons that pours into it from the Jordan River every day, and yet not one drop escapes. There is no outlet. And so the water gathers in the, the Dead Sea, and it has uh, such a high content of minerals and salt that it's impossible for anything to live in there. And the only way that the water escapes is through the process of evaporation, which leaves these huge deposits of salt. The Dead Sea is dead for the simple reason that it, re it receives millions of gallons of water, but no water leaves the Red Sea, the, the Dead Sea. Therefore, in the same way for you and I, we can be beneficiaries, but if we're not benefactors, we're not really going to know what it is to truly live the way God wants us to live. Remember, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so a beneficiary receives a, fa a, a, a legacy, a benefactor leaves a legacy. So I wanted to talk about how uh, three areas that we are beneficiaries and three areas that we can be benefactors. 
And of course, the first one that I talked about a couple of weeks ago was the legacy of faith. The legacy of faith. We have received a legacy of faith. Secondly, uh, today I want to talk about a legacy of resource. A legacy of resource. And then a legacy of experience that has been passed down to us. And whether I get to the third one or not, I know not. But we will see how we go. Um, But I want to read this verse to you uh, from Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3 in the message version of the Bible, which, of course, speaks about the great cloud of witnesses in heaven that are watching us as we run our race of faith. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd, be, we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot some adrenaline in your souls. I love that. That will shoot some adrenaline in your souls when we consider what Jesus did and when we consider the pioneers of our faith. The pioneers of our faith are those who left us a legacy of faith. And I spoke about that the last time that we gathered. I talked about the, the, the fact that we are living, the, the faith that we have, the faith that we enjoy, the faith that uh, previous generations have paved for us, the way that they have paved for us, is something that we have a responsibility to uphold. I've been, uh, I read a passage of Scripture, and I'll just touch on this briefly last time because I think it's such an important passage. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 14, we read in the New King James Version that God says, you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. In the message version, it says, don't move your neighbor's boundary markers, the long-standing landmarks set up by your pioneer ancestors defining their property. Now, this passage of Scripture talks about when Israel went into the promised land, they were going to divide the land up between the 12 tribes, and then each of the 12 tribes was going to give every family a a plot or a a plot of land. And the boundaries were to be set in place. They were not to be moved. They were to be set in place uh, because that was their inheritance. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the boundaries that have been set in place for us when it comes to our faith. The boundaries that we find in God's Word. The boundaries that we find when it comes to uh, the, the, the absolutes that are a part of and central to God's Word and how this verse applies to 
the boundaries of our faith, our values, our principles, and, and all that shape who we are. And the enemy is always wanting to move the boundaries. He's always wanting to move the boundaries. So if he can't move the boundary, he'll blur the boundaries. He will blur the boundaries before he moves the boundaries. And the Word of God is saying to the nation of Israel, speaking about a physical uh, boundary that was a representation of a spiritual truth, don't move the boundaries that have established who you are, your identity, and an inheritance that you have received from previous generations. And when it comes to our faith, God is saying, do not allow the absolutes of my word to become blurred. Don't allow the absolutes of my word, the boundaries of my word to be moved. And we live in a generation where that is under assault. And probably in the last 18 months, we've seen a more significant demonstration of that, and it's come out into the light that there is an agenda which we know comes from the enemy himself to blur the boundaries, to move the boundaries, to blur, move, and remove the boundaries so that we live in a world where there are no absolutes. We live in a world where uh, the, 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 we live according to our own truth and our own interpretation of the truth. And we move those boundary, those boundary markers, those ancient landmarks that define our faith are moved. So we have a responsibility. What are we going to leave the next generation? Are we going to leave them with a legacy where there are no boundaries, where there are no absolutes, where there's no truth and only relative truth? And whether we like it or not, we are the benefactors uh, we are the beneficiaries of previous generations. Now it's our turn. It's our day. It's our opportunity to be beneficiaries to the next generation of those truths and those absolutes that we know will bring them into a place of relationship with God, blessing, and living within the boundaries of God's Word that enable us to live our lives the way Jesus wanted to live our lives. He said, I have come that you might have, I have come that you might have, I might come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So we are beneficiaries of the legacy of faith of previous generations. It's our day. What are we going to teach our kids? What is it that's going to form their opinions. And outside on the wall of the church, uh, church wall there is the Apostles' Creed. And I've been coming back to that more and more and more and quoting it and declaring it, not so much quoting it, but declaring it every day. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and His only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And it goes on that those are powerful, powerful declarations upon which we stand, and upon which we can be benefactors to the next generation. Okay, that's, that's the, 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 the legacy of faith. I want to talk about the legacy of resource. The legacy of resource. In the parable of the talents, 
Jesus tells us that we all receive something. I know that we can easily say it's not fair. Have you ever thought it's not fair? Um, obviously, no one here has, but I know that you're human beings and you all thought that. We have all thought that. It's not fair. Why did they get this? Why did they? Have you ever thought about it, how you or I could have been born in India? in one of the poorest slums in India, living from scraps off a garbage dump. But we didn't. God gave us something. God gave those little kids that Bijou Thampi is working with and who we are partnering with. He gave them something. Very little, but he gave them something. They could easily say, it's not fair. How come they were born in Orange County? How come they received all that they did and we have this? And it's so easy for us as human beings to look at what we have and say it's not fair. But it's not what we have, it's what we do with what we have that is most important. And in the parable of the talents, which I think most of you are familiar with, it's very clear that the, that the talents were given to one, was given five, to the other was given two, and to the other was given one, and they were responsible for taking what they were given, the resource that they were given, the legacy of the resource that they were given, the inheritance that they were given, if you like. What they received, they were responsible for developing that and then passing it on, not just being accountable to the master, but passing it on to the next generation. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I know it's hard when you, to think about me being a grandfather when you look at me, but I am a grandfather. And, and I want to leave something to the next generation. I don't want to leave a, a trail of wreckage in my wake. Um, I want to leave a legacy. And, and I want to leave a legacy when it comes to the resource. Now, obviously, Resource, what are we talking about when we're talking about resource? I want to talk about being a benefactor of experience in, in the next point. But today I want to speak about being a beneficiary of the resource that we are given. We're all beneficiaries, and we all have a very different beginning. Um, the story of the talents is a... Is a a powerful story because it talks about how the five talent and the two talent servants, they were beneficiaries and benefactors. But the one talent servant was a beneficiary but failed to be a benefactor. And he lost what he had. His, uh, the next generation were, no, were not able to be beneficiaries of anything that he had done with what he had received. So, um, every one of us has a different beginning, and every one of us has a different, um, a, 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 a different inheritance or a different legacy. I think, you know, in my personal story, I have a very kind of interesting background because I was born in Hong Kong with an English father and a Spanish mother and spoke Spanish as my first language and when I was one, years old, one year old, we moved to uh, West Africa, Ghana, where my sister was born. And then after a couple of years, we 
spent a little bit of time in North Africa, in Morocco, in Tangier, where my mother was raised during the Spanish Civil War, and then moved from there, spent a little bit of time in the south of Spain. My first memories are in Beirut in, the 19, in 1960, which in those days was the Paris of the Middle East. And then at the age of five, I traveled from, we flew from Beirut to England, and I arrived in England at, at the age of five, speaking not one word of English. And I had to learn English very quickly because at school they made fun of me. And, uh, and so I learned English and I was educated in, in, in England. And I received a very privileged education. I went to two schools uh, that were uh, very well known. Uh, in fact, Prince William and Prince Harry's claim to fame is that they went to the same school that I did. And uh, they went to a preparatory school, and then from there I went to public school, which in England, public school is private school. Um, there's a story to that I won't get into, but I went, to, I went to school with princes and dukes and future kings and extremely wealthy people, and so I had a very privileged education. I didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, I rebelled against it at the time. And, but I had a privileged beginning. Well, there are many people who haven't had that kind of beginning. And it's easy to say, well, it's not fair. How come you had, I had no choice in it. I just woke up one day in Hong Kong. The first day I took my breath and that was it. But what I have a responsibility with is to do, use what God invested what I received as a legacy of resource. My family were not uh, extremely wealthy, but comparatively, uh, we had a very comfortable upbringing, and I have been the beneficiary of, a, of inheritances, uh, both from Dai's family, Dai's father before, who, who gave us an inheritance and he, while he was still alive, and then my father and my stepfather both gave me an inheritance. So I've been a beneficiary of that. And, but the reality is, I don't want to just live my life as a beneficiary. I want to take and develop what God has given to me to be a benefactor. This church today is actually was birthed out of the fact, in, in, in terms of resource, out of the fact that we were beneficiaries of a financial in inheritance of resource. And when we came over here and we were thinking, how are we going to fund this? Because you weren't all here. You were in our imagination. We prayed about it, and I thought, what do we have in our hand? And we had our house that we'd received as an inheritance, and we just developed it with We'd extended the house, we developed it, we looked like we were going to be there for the whole of the kids' education. And so we thought, okay, we're going to take the resource that we have, the equity out of our house, and we took all of the equity that we could, we took it out of our house, and we invested it in coming over here in all of the, can you imagine the airfares for all the tribe that we have over here, and renting a house and starting the church, and, and we sowed that into starting Newport Church. So I'm thankful that we were able to be benefactors of what we were beneficiaries of 
in terms of the development of the kingdom. And I'm not saying that to kind of pat ourselves on the back. I'm just saying that I have, a, have had a deep-rooted sense that I want to be a benefactor. I don't just want to, I, I don't just want to be a passenger in this journey. That's my calling. It's not your calling necessarily, but it was our calling. And so we took the resource that we had and we invested it. And look, there's a return. And of course, not just those who are in the room or those who are watching online, but the thousands upon thousands. I was talking with Di today about the probably tens of thousands of people that have been through our church and that we've been able to invest in over the years. So that's our story. But then over the years, there have been people who've become a part of our church. And they haven't just sat and sat on their hands in a sense, but they've come alongside us and said, okay, we've seen that you've, you, you, you're wanting to be a benefactor. We want to be benefactors also. And so they have partnered with us and invested in the life of the church. Our kingdom builders who've led the way and they're giving financially, people who've tithed, people who've give, given donations, people who've given financial gifts, all of those have, have been beneficiaries of something in here, and they've decided, I don't want to just be a beneficiary. I want to be a benefactor. I want to be able to invest into the next generation. And so everything that you see up here, the screen and the, the Yamaha or whatever it is, um, organ or that organ, it's not an organ, what is it? It's a keyboard, yeah, that's the modern term. The organ was like, that they played in the old churches. The keyboard and the speakers and the lights and the sound system and the chairs and the carpet and the paint and everything here, all because people said, hey, I don't want to just be a beneficiary. I want to be a benefactor. And leaving a, a, a legacy, those people who are no longer a part of our church, who have moved on and... And, and invested in the life of the church. That investment is bringing a return, even now. I remember many years ago when we, uh, uh, now many years ago, it's not many years ago, but six years ago when we moved into the building, we had a take a seat campaign. And basically what we did was inspired out of something that we did in Australia, back in our church in Australia over... Um, uh, now, now I'm talking. I'm talking a long time. Thirty years ago, when we moved into a building, we decided that we would have. We didn't call it a take a seat campaign. We decided that we we would help to raise the funds to do what we needed to do in the life of the church by uh, encouraging people to buy a seat in the church building. But the seat, the premium on the seat, was more than the cost of the seat. But it was to buy a seat so that people or a row of seats or a number of seats so that we could provide a seat for someone who would come into the church. And the thought was that when we invested in that seat over the next 10 years or 15 years or the life of that seat, hundreds of people would sit in that seat. They would hear the message of the gospel. They would be saved. They would be healed. They would be restored. They would be reconnected with God. They would have a life-changing experience. And that just gripped me at the time. And I remember investing in a number of seats. 
And I know that even after we left Australia, there were people still sitting in those seats, still getting saved, still being filled with the Holy Spirit, still being healed, still being restored. There was a legacy that I was able to leave in that seat. And when we started this, when we moved into this building, we had a, a take a seat campaign. And there are people who are here in the room, some who invested in a seat, some who invested in a row of seats, some who, uh, uh, everyone who did their part. And the reality is that your investment over the last five years, you've, there's been hundreds of people that have sat in that seat, hundreds of people that have connected with God, hundreds of people that have heard about Jesus, maybe for the first time heard the gospel, the true gospel message, People whose people who lives have been turned around. And why? It's because you invested in a seat. And the thought of people sitting in that seat is a powerful example of the legacy that we can leave, the resource that's been entrusted to us, the legacy that we can leave for future generations. I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about finance. I'm talking about provision. I'm talking about resource. Jesus talked in the parable of the talents about finance. He talked about five talents, two talents, and one talent. Every one of us has resource. Some have more than others, but every one of us has the opportunity with the resource that God has given us to make a way for those in future generations. I like to think, I like to think that what over the course of my life, and I know that die is the same, over the course of our lives that we would leave a legacy through the resource that has come through our hands, through what God has entrusted us, through the privilege that I experienced as a young man uh, going through the education that I received, the financial inheritances that I've received, that maybe, that not maybe, that certainly through that, other generations, if the Lord tarries, if Jesus doesn't come back in my lifetime, and I can remember back in the 70s, I thought he'd definitely be back by the year 2000. If Jesus doesn't come back in my lifetime, the future generations that I might not even know or not even see, but one day when I stand in heaven, they'll walk up to me and shake my hand because we won't be worried about COVID there. They'll shake my hand and they'll say, thank you. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, William. Thank you, Alison, for what you did. Thank you, William. And I could go on and on and on and on. We are beneficiaries. Some more than others, we're beneficiaries. Let's make a decision. We want to be a part of the generational continuum of God's plan for the planet. And, and just like in the parable of the talents, God says it's your time. It's your day. Like we read at the beginning, strip off. Get ready to run. Consider Jesus. That'll give you a shot of adrenaline so that we can be benefactors, not just beneficiaries. I love this. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3. Daniel, who had a prophetic vision of the future, who said, how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion 
is from generation to generation. We have a choice. Do we want to be simply beneficiaries of His dominion? Or do we want to be benefactors of His dominion? Because of what God has given to us, we're developing it. We're growing it. We're sharing it with open hands. We're breathing in and we're breathing out. Freely we receive, freely give. We've received a legacy. Now we're going to give a legacy in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, we're going to worship God together as the worship team leads us. Father, I thank you today that you have given us so much. The exceeding greatness, the exceeding riches of the inheritance that we have in Christ is, is immeasurable, beyond understanding. And today we stand before you. We declare that your dominion is from generation to generation. We want to be a part of that generational continuum. We want not only to be beneficiaries, but we want to be benefactors that we can hand on to the next generation, hand the torch to the next generation, hand to the next generation something that they can take your kingdom forward in their day. Help us, Lord, to serve you and to serve our generation in our day as benefactors. And I pray your rich blessing on each and every one as we make that decision in our hearts, as we rekindle that, as we revisit it, as we ponder it again, as we think about it, as we see it with fresh clarity today. May it burn in our hearts and may it burn in our spirits. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship God together, church. Be 
take a, a moment just to ask everyone if you would to close your eyes I don't think there's any time where we should ever take for granted what God has done for us what we are beneficiaries of and of course today if you're here as I am as one who's known the wonder of forgiveness being forgiven by my heavenly father of knowing what it is to have our spirits come alive to God so that we have a personal relationship with Him, knowing His peace, knowing a sense of divine purpose and destiny, knowing His power working in our lives supernaturally. And that only comes because of the price that Jesus paid when He hung on that cross 2,000 years ago and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He hung there as the sacrifice who took the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven, not through our works, not through our personal effort, not through anything that we could ever do, because nothing we could ever do could make what was wrong right or could bridge the gap between us and God. But he did everything for us so that all we had to do was simply to say yes. We're beneficiaries of the greatest gift that could ever have been offered. And today I, I want to ask everyone, firstly, if you've received Christ as your Savior, just to take a moment to ponder, to meditate upon what we are beneficiaries of and how because of that, we can share that gift with others in our workplace, in our neighborhood, with our neighbors, with our friends, those who don't know Him, out of an overwhelming sense of gratitude. Or maybe you are here today and you've never, ever accepted Christ as your Savior. You've been to church, but you've never made a conscious decision I, I know that I need to get my relationship with God right. I need to connect with God. I need to know that I'm forgiven. I need to know that if I was to go out into eternity today, that I would spend eternity in heaven with Jesus because I'm right with Him. And all that you have to do is to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to give you that opportunity today as we pray this prayer. And maybe you've never prayed that prayer before, or maybe you prayed it before in the past, but you know you've become distant from God. You've drifted. You've become disconnected, and you want to reconnect with Him. And you can pray this prayer from your heart. Reconnect with Him, whether it's for the first time to connect with God, or whether it's a reconnection. I want to pray this prayer, and I've ask you if you would all of you to just pray this after me and if you're praying this from your heart as as someone making this decision for the first time or a reconnection with Christ God's going to hear your prayer he's going to answer your prayer you're going to know his presence in a wonderful way so let's pray this together heavenly father, heavenly father. I come to you today in the name above all names the name of Jesus and I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start. A fresh beginning. 
I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. And I determine in my heart, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me to live with the power of your Spirit at work in me. And I thank you in Jesus' mighty name.